Thank you for tuning in to the WAM Podcast, where women empower women in business and manufacturing. Hi, I'm Linda Regano, co-host of the WAM Podcast. It's an honor to be your host, where I get to introduce listeners to amazing women who are really making a difference. With our podcast, you're going to hear inspirational stories, both personal and professional challenges that they've overcome, how their backgrounds help shape who they are today, and most importantly, how they're giving back to their communities and oftentimes the world. So joining me today is Emily Solaby, who is an amazing entrepreneur who has been on a mission to help women from the beginning of her career. Today, Emily runs two businesses, the AAA School of Trucking, a truck and heavy equipment safety training firm and Juno Jones Shoes, a brand new manufacturer of stylish safety shoes for women. So let's dive right in and join me in a warm welcome for Emily. Emily, thanks Hi, for Linda. joining the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Excellent. Well, your background is amazing. It's so unique. And I was hoping that maybe we could start there, you know, your journey as a lawyer and an advocate for women in domestic violence cases. Tell us more about you. I started my academic career at American University in Washington, D.C. I started out as a poli-sci major, uh, but I took some women's studies classes and I loved them. And I realized I wanted to change my major to women's studies. But I ran out of the women's studies classes that they had to offer there. They didn't have a major. They only had a minor at the time. So I did some research and I found out that the University of Minnesota had a thriving women's studies program. So I moved to Minneapolis, um, which was very cold, uh, not what I was used to, <laughs> but, I, but I loved it. And I, I became a women's studies major there and the program was awesome and I loved my professors. I learned a lot about women's history around the world and systemic issues like poverty, um, discrimination, and how they intersect with gender and race. And mm. I realized at that time that, you know, I wanted my life's work to somehow be to help women. So I got a job, as you mentioned, I got a job volunteering at a domestic violence advocacy center. And I became a courtroom advocate um, helping women to get restraining orders for protection. Wow. That experience, it made me realize that I wanted to actually go to law school. So I took the LSAT and I, I applied to law schools and I went back home to Philadelphia where I'm from to attend Temple University School of Law. And then while I was there, um, you know, I continued to study as much as I could at women's rights issues in law school. Yeah, and I love law school too. So then you went back and started working in Atlanta County, right? Yeah. Well, while I was in law school, I was trying to get as much as involved as I could with women's rights. I knew I was a little bit different from a lot of my classmates because they were like looking for clerkships and big law firm jobs. But all I wanted was to work at the National Organization for Women because they had this really cool summer internship and they chose two interns each summer. So I was really determined to get one of those. Hmm. That was what I did. I went down there and I applied and I interviewed and I got it. And that was an amazing summer. And I learned a lot there. And so graduating from law school to continue to work in women's rights issues, I took a job with Legal Services of New Jersey. Um, and that's where I was representing disadvantaged women and children in, um, in divorce, child custody, and abuse cases. So, and wow. that was so here you are yeah, giving these women a voice who, who probably prior to that didn't have one. Oh, my gosh. It was a very rewarding job. Um, it didn't pay much, of course. That's not why yeah. I was there. But, you know, I had handwritten notes from people and baked goods and like little crafts that people would give me. And 
I don't know. It felt like I was doing something very important for people, but it was, (laughs) but yeah. And I loved that aspect of it, but it was hard. I was in my mid twenties at that time. And I was the only person handling these cases for indigent populations in that County. So there were intake days where, so from 9am to 4pm, there were intake days that I would see a new person every 15 minutes. So I don't know, it was a lot. And after a few years, I I decided to move on and try something different. And that's when I went back to graduate school and got my master's degree, as you mentioned. And Mm -hmm. that's where I met my husband, Ryan. And so your master's was in in what else? Um, My master's was in broadcast telecommunications and mass media, which was a lot of communications theory. And I also did video production because there were also plenty of video production classes offered. So I learned a lot about that as well. That's great. That's great. And I certainly can understand being, you know, being burned out, you know, with just hearing heart-wrenching stories one after the other. Yeah. And there, there was one moment, I think I realized I was sitting there meeting with someone and I just realized she's been up all night waiting for this appointment. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, I just kind of realized how important it was for people. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So talk to me about some, when you met your husband and you both started the A, the AAA school of trucking, is that not correct? Uh, AAA school of trucking. That's right. Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah. And how Ryan and you, Ryan, your husband who um, helped you do that. Yeah. Well, so I get the question a lot of, because it's unusual, like how did I start out in law and end up owning a truck driving school? And Ryan, yeah, it's something that Ryan and I decided to to do together, but it's not something I planned for. Like I didn't set out to own a transportation training company, but once (laughs) I was in it, I absolutely loved it. It was a lot of fun and it was, it was fun to, the new challenges of learning the business were a lot of fun and it just, it was a good fit, but okay. Well, the story is, I guess I met my husband in graduate school. Uh, We Mm -hmm. were studying mass media and Mm -hmm. we were just both of us just in general, very open to opportunities. I think we work amazingly well together and we are both just like, we're both entrepreneurial people. So when we found out that Ryan's uncle wanted to retire and was selling his business, which was a small truck driving school at the time, we thought, yeah, like what could be better? (laughs) Because we could work together. We could set our own hours. We could have flexibility to start a family. So yeah, we just went for it and we learned the business from the ground up and it was just an amazing fit for us. In a lot of ways, it ended up being similar to my old job as a lawyer because we found that we were in a position to really help people. We worked with, and we still do, we work with funding organizations that focus on reemployment services. So these are organizations that help people to get back on their feet, um, mm-hmm. trained and employed. So. With government so you're funding, helping them, you're helping them with training and placement? Exactly. So um, we are able to get government funding for students, and then we mm-hmm. take them, you know, we take them on as students, train them as drivers or equipment operators, and then we help place them in jobs. And yeah, we That's feel really wonderful. good about being, being able to help people in that way. That's how we initially yeah. started. And, um, That's great. So and and not just women, but young men and women. Oh, yeah, both. Okay. And, we, and then the company grew from there. And that was about 10 years ago. So let's talk about that. So 10 years ago, you know, you were expanding. And then where's, how has the company evolved today? Well, when we first started, we knew we had to diversify our revenue streams because that when we, when we first took over the business, it, that's all it was. We had, it was just individual students coming in from the community. 
but mm-hmm. coming from a legal background, it was pretty easy for me relatively to navigate the federal contracting system. Mm-hmm. So we won our first government contract pretty early on. It was, uh, it was with the U.S. Department uh, of Homeland Security. That's amazing. And, and so you, and you work at LEAD, so you're the one that did it. Well, of course, we, it was a team effort. <laughs> I don't want to take the credit, but yeah, so the, but it was something that it was interesting to me because, I don't know, I guess working at legal services, I had a good idea about how to apply for grants, and it's very, the government contracting process is very similar to grant writing. Right, but, um, and that's a, that was a major contract with the Coast Guard, right? That was, yeah, the U.S. Department of Homeland Security and was training the Coast Guard to drive trucks for emergency response. So, and once that was on our resume, the company really began to pick up steam pretty quickly from there. And it's still and still going today, right? Still going strong. Well, yes. Um, now, 2020, we are headquartered in Philadelphia, but we still do have our original campus in Harrisburg, PA. And I would say we still do the same training that we did at the beginning, but we now consider ourselves more of a, a consulting firm rather than just a school because we work mm-hmm. with a lot of private companies um, as well as government agencies, and we send our instructors nationwide to conduct trainings and seminars. That's fabulous. So you went from, so from, from legal services to the trucking business, and, and now yeah. your next you know, endeavor is designing women's shoes. Which shoes. Can you talk about <laughs> the, the bridge? How did you go from, from the uh, truck driving school to you know, designing shoes? A couple of things. Number one, I should probably tell you that spending time in the transportation industry didn't change who I have always been as a person. I guess, which is someone, you know, very much into fashion and personal style. So I've always been interested in footwear. Um, And I studied shoemaking in Cuernavaca, Mexico, as well as in Brooklyn, the Brooklyn shoe space in Brooklyn, New York. It's a maker space. Yeah. And I I took my first class just as a hobby years ago. Then when I decided to start Juno Jones, it really became more about having a deeper understanding of footwear construction and materials and Having the ability to make shoes with my own hands was important to me uh, so I could have the, the knowledge of what really goes into creating the shoe. But um, Maybe you could talk a little bit more about what led you to do the, the, the shoes that are, you know, fashionable safety boots. Yeah. So our company in the transportation industry, as I mentioned, is a safety training company. Mm-hmm. So safety is always on the forefront of our minds. As an executive working in the transportation industry, I'd be like going to government contract meetings and meeting with clients, but I'd also be out on the driving range, as we call it. And I couldn't find the footwear I needed to go from the office to the job site because I wanted something with steel toes and heavy tread, but that also looked good with what I was wearing. And that's where I got the idea for Juno Jones. So I began talking to women, not just in the transportation industry, but engineers, architects, yeah, scientists, so many industries. And then they began reaching out to me. So I soon realized that, you know, it's not just an individual problem. It's really a pervasive problem. Even when I was filming our Kickstarter video, the woman that I was working with told me that she's a film industry professional. She told me that she had to work on a job site that required safety gear for one job. And she couldn't find safety boots in her size. So she showed up at the filming location um, wearing her sneakers and the guy in charge took one look at her and disappeared and came back wearing like a, I mean, carrying a huge dirty pair of men's boots for her to put on. And she, yeah. And she walked around feeling like a clown the rest of the day. So there's no reason for that. You know, you know, like as women, we, we belong on job sites as much as men do. So if we have options in our gear, you know, including in our footwear, it can help us 
feel more like we belong there. It gives like a feel like a normalization. It helps normalize our presence there. It became my mission to create Juno Jones and help empower women in that way. And what the name Juno Jones is that? Does that have any personal meaning? So I thought about the name for a very long time. I wanted to I wanted to choose something that was sort of the every woman and. Juno Jones, to me, kind of became a character that represents um, all working women and adventurous Mm. and, you know, ready to take on the world. That's great. That's great. Maybe you could share with our audience, what makes your shoes unique? Well, Juno Jones boots are fashionable safety boots. So Mm -hmm. you can wear them to drop off the kids, grab coffee, go to your office, go to the work site, have your feet be totally protected, then go out to dinner and not have to change them. So it's, mm. a, it's a beautiful safety boot. So our first style, which just went live on Kickstarter, the Juno oh. Jones Medi. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's live right now. The Juno Jones Medi boot. It's a beautiful classic riding boot or a jodhpur style ankle boot. And it's made of a very tough full grain leather, but it has a feminine shape and a steel toe. So mm. not a big bulky steel toe. We were able to source a narrower steel toe to go with different types of more professional clothing. Um, but it has a non-slip tread, and well, one of its u- most unique features is that it's puncture-proof. It has a puncture-proof midsole, and then, of course, it's liquid-resistant and chemical-resistant. Our designer is very talented. She, she's a former Colhan designer. Uh, and it's a beautiful design. I've seen it. It's, it's just lovely. Yeah. Oh, thank um, you. Or, yeah, I'm glad you or as lovely as you can get on a job site, right? Right. <laughs> but you, but you, I've had so many people tell me they want them, even though they don't actually need the steel toes, just because they're very beautiful. I believe it. But, uh, I believe it. The, the, design, the design was really crowdsourced. I mean, we worked with Amanda, our designer, to create the initial designs. We spoke to hundreds of women in STEM fields and construction fields to re- re- really refine the style. So that's kind of a group you've effort. Done, you've done your research. I think women are tired of the same old thing. Big companies aren't really listening to women in these industries. Either, you know, either they don't see that there's a need out there or it's just not a big enough niche for their bottom line, so they don't care. But, yeah, I, I think we'll soon see that women working in these hazardous fields isn't going to be as much of a small niche for long. So I, we have a group online called Hazard Girls, and all you have to do is go on Facebook to see that group, the amazing women in that group working in STEM fields and construction fields, or even just on Instagram if you hashtag um, women in STEM, women in construction, you see how many women there are doing amazing things in these fields and I don't know it's just it seems like they're finally really having their moment so Mm. we're really excited to be a part of that that's great so how hazard girls is is your site yeah it's it's, hazard girls is a Facebook group of women and working in non-traditional fields all right interesting and how would our listeners get there what what's the uh the um actually they just can go into Facebook and in the groups you just search for hazard girls you can go to our website, junojonesshoes.com, and mm-hmm. that will lead you to the Hazard Girls group if you're interested in joining. Excellent. Excellent. So what does 2020 look, look like for Juno Jones Shoes? Linda, 2020, it's our year because we are live on Kickstarter and we're this month last year. <laughs> so it's a, it's a huge year. This has been a long time in the making, but yeah, so we're, we're excited. But, but Kickstarter is... Really, we, we really wanted to do that so that we would be able to get the word out. Mm-hmm. We thought it would be an exciting way to get our community involved in the production as well. So we can mm-hmm. see 
like people can, when they go on a Kickstarter, they can tell us what size and colors they need before we put the manufacturing run in. So that really gives us a good way to gauge that without making, you know, making excess in different colors and sizes for the first run. So, but I think our biggest okay. challenge is really just going to be spreading the word. So any press we can get will be exponential in helping okay. people find out about us. Yeah. All right. Absolutely. And hopefully the show will also uh, help you get more promotion, more exposure. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Linda. Just if you could talk a little bit, just even taking a step back so we can learn a little bit more about you because you've got such a multifaceted background. Could you tell us a little bit more about, you know, growing up, who were your biggest influencers? Yeah, I thought about this question because I know it is one that you like to ask your guests and it's such an easy answer for me because Growing up, my family was very influential, of course. All my close family members were influential, but my grandmother, Mimi, who's my mom's mom, was the family matriarch. She was the boss. Even though she was a stay-at-home mom, uh, she was really my example, and she told me from a very young age that I could be whatever I wanted to be, and I believed her. She was very encouraging, and she always stressed, something she always stressed was that education is something nobody can ever take away from you, right? Mm. So you can, she would say, like, you can lose money, you can lose your husband, you can lose your job, but nobody can ever take your degree away from you. That, that really that made a huge impression on me. Smart lady. Very smart lady. And, and what yeah. about in, so you have that as a wonderful foundation. What about actually in the business, you know, as you started to get involved in, in uh, learning more about women in construction and in those businesses, were there any role models in there for you? When I first started out in law, I honestly, I didn't know anyone. I, I didn't know any women who had focused on their careers like I wanted to do. Yeah, I would get inspired by fictional characters I saw on TV shows. So I remember um, when I was in my late teens, I would watch Ellen McBeal. I thought, oh, well, Ellen McBeal, she's, she can be a lawyer and she's not perfect. I can, be, I can do that too. And um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I sound silly, but... Uh, it doesn't sound silly. It's actually delightful. <laughs> when I started taking women's studies is really when I got interested in the great feminist leaders and thinkers. So Betty Friedan, Bell Hook, Gloria Steinem, and, mm. um, and Patricia Ireland. And, and when I had the oppor that opportunity I mentioned to work at the National Organization for Women, um, it was under Patricia Ireland. And that was a huge deal for me. So I, I got to know her a little bit during my time there. And she and the other women at now were so supportive. They were, their confidence in me meant a lot. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Tell us, looking back or looking forward, I always like to ask, what's the best advice you ever got and how did it change you? I've been given so much great advice in my life, mostly from my family, and they have shaped who I am in so many ways. But there is one piece of advice that actually did change my life, as you say, and it came from a TED Talk by Brené Brown. Do you know her? No. She's amazing. Check this talk out. It's called Why Your Critics Aren't the Ones Who Count. And she talked about, in that talk, she talked, it's a TED talk, I think, and she talked about the first time one of her speeches went viral, and she was suddenly all over the news. And her husband told her, whatever you do, do not read the comments. Mm. So, of course, she went and read all of the comments, and they were mean and pointless and the kind of, kind of things that make people avoid putting themselves out there in the first place. Mm. So, so Brene Brown says if someone's criticizing you and they're just, an armchair critic, 
then she's not interested in their feedback. She says, if you're in the cheap seats, not putting yourself on the line, just saying how you could do it better, I'm not interested in your feedback. So, and I love that hmm. because. Oh, I do. I love that too. Yeah, because like, I, I don't know how, how you are, but I'm a very private person. So it was important to me to hear that perspective. It really helped me get that last push I needed to start putting, you know, start writing a blog, start putting, posting on social media, putting myself and my ideas and personal stories out there. No, that's wonderful. And it's, yeah, and, and it's funny how you can just kind of happen on it, you know, like a TED Talk mm-hmm. and hear somebody yeah. so powerful. So yeah. what would you like, what would you like our listeners to know about Juno Jones shoes. What would you like them to to remember from from this podcast? I think it's important that independent companies are creating products that they're listening to women and creating products that people really need that um, aren't being addressed. And um, I I just hope they will go check out our website, junojonesshoes.com. Take a look at the boots. um, And if they like them, go on our Kickstarter page and back the Kickstarter or spread the word to their friends. Okay. All right. We'll do. Well, we would definitely do that here. And we are at the end of our show. Emily, thank you so much for sharing your journey and your, just your excellent insights. We, we wish oh, you all the best. Oh, thank oh, you so much, and, Linda. And I'm, I'm going to promote that website one more time. For our listeners, okay. if you want to learn more about Juno Jones Shoes, go, go, go to their website at www.juno, J-U-N-O, J-O-N-E-S, shoes.com, junojonesshoes.com. And we look forward to our next show. So please stay tuned for more great stories with amazing women. Thank you. Thank you for joining the WAM podcast, where women empower other women in business and manufacturing. For more shows like this, go to whampodcast.com. That's whampodcast.com. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.